0: Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep?
1: Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference.
0: Yes, otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to that.
1: You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt.
0: There are many things associated with women's health that we don't talk a lot about. We don't talk about heavy periods, how childbirth has damaged our bodies or other intimate health concerns. And so many suffer in silence. Sneha Widwani is a GP and mum of two girls aged five and seven. She's passionate about women's health and today we're talking about first trimester screening and planning for your delivery. Hi Sneha, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm good thank you.
0: I've got to say it's now four years since I've had a baby and I've forgotten all the different tests we have. So what is first trimester screening?
1: So first trimester screening is the tests that we do in the first 12 weeks or the first third of the pregnancy and these tests are really to um, alert us to any increased risk of chromosomal abnormalities. So particularly when we think of these tests, we think about the screening tests for Down syndrome. And we, we often think of it like that because Down syndrome is probably the most common chromosomal uh, defect um, in terms of prevalence in today's time. And uh, I know that there've been more things you can test for
0: as you go along. Is it at that first trimester screening that those other tests have come into play?
1: Yeah, so conventionally what we've done is the nuchal translucency test. And this is a combination of three parameters. So the first is uh, looking for certain proteins in your blood that are prevalent in pregnancy and in higher levels where there's a chromosomal abnormality. Um, and this is used in conjunction with an ultrasound scan. And this is looking particularly at um, some fluid in the fold of skin on the back of the baby's neck and presence of the nasal bone, as well as some other soft markers, um, which may uh, increase the risk or a alert us to possible abnormalities that might go with a chromosomal abnormality. And then the third thing is maternal age. We know that the older we are, the higher our risk of uh, chromosomal abnormalities. So in that nuchal translucency test, all those three parameters are looked at and we're given a risk of one in so many uh, ladies who may have a baby with a chromosomal abnormality. Now, this is quite a useful test. It's cheap, it's not very invasive, but it's not that accurate. It's pretty accurate, and the advantage of doing this test is um, it, it can also pick up with structural abnormalities in the baby at that gestation. However, there has been a newer test that's come into the market. Um, this still isn't covered by Medicare, but it's it's a test that a lot of women are opting to have. This is called the non-invasive Prenatal test. And what this does, it's identified the fact that in the m- mother's blood, there are often fragments of the baby's blood in that and so what it tries to do is take a sample of the ba- of the mother's blood and withdraw those fragments of the baby's blood and therefore analyze those looking at the baby's DNA makeup and from that we're able to see exactly what chromosomes are there and which ones aren't so it allows us to look for chromosomal defects such as down syndrome but also look at the sex chromosomes as well it can be done from 10 weeks onwards and the reason for that cut off is really because with advancing pregnancy, we have more and more of the baby's blood in our own blood as mothers. And so we need a certain amount to be able to give some accuracy to the test. The test is over 99.5% accurate.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Um, The thing about these tests, though, I remember that before I fell pregnant, I thought I was very clear in my mind what I would do if I got a result back with any abnormalities. And then I fell pregnant and it was a conversation that my partner and I really didn't think we should have, but it it became apparent before we had the test that we really did need to talk about what we would do if the test came back with abnormalities. And it wasn't even anything on our mind before we fell pregnant because I felt one way Before, I had the baby in my stomach and then I felt one way after. It's quite a tricky conversation to navigate sometimes, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And I think you're absolutely right. patients come to me women come to me on both ends of that spectrum so there are some who are young who on the face of it would have a very low risk who want that big expensive test regardless because if there's something wrong they want to be able to know about it and make a decision about it on the other hand we have ladies who feel that no matter what I'm going to keep this baby so what's the point in doing the test and what I would say for all of this is that the test gives us knowledge the test helps us to prepare so it's not necessarily a case of whether you're going to terminate or keep the baby, what it's about is actually if there's an increased risk, can we help you prepare during the pregnancy, can we prepare as clinicians, can we prepare for delivery, can we make sure there are paediatricians around, if you've got other children, can we help to prepare them and I think that's the beauty of these tests really, more than knowing yes or no, it's about giving information so that you can make informed choices.
0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Dr. Sneha Wadwani about, uh, we've just been talking about first trimester screening and Sneha was just explaining why she thinks it's a good thing to do. It's about having knowledge rather than deciding whether you're going to continue or terminate a pregnancy, which I love that you've said that because we all come to that point in our, in our pregnancy when we are offered that test. So it's a really good perspective on it. Now, once you've gone through that screening, we often, after we've passed that point, it's when we tell people we're pregnant. And that is when it all sort of becomes real. Sort of, it's already become real if you've been sick like I was for the whole three months. But is it at that point that you start thinking about your delivery or birth planning? And when I say that, I'd say that with quite a bit of scepticism because I know that any plan you put into place is is possibly going to go out the window
1: absolutely and I think you're right after the first trimester screening then you really start on this journey of pregnancy you know there are a few other tests but largely you're seeing your midwives more and there's lots of information out there you know people talking about I want a water birth I want this birth I want that birth I don't want pain control I don't want an epidural and on and on it goes and often we're talking amongst ourselves especially when there's you know we've got friends and people who are expecting around the same time or aren't and grandmas and all of that. So we can be very influenced as to how this delivery is going to happen. I think that coupled with the fact that we are, you know, women now who have it all. You know, we work, we choose lots of things in life and we're in control of most of it. And so it would go hand in hand that actually we want to be in control of the birth of our child. But as you say, it doesn't always work out that way. And certainly from my perspective, when I see ladies in the postnatal period or for their postnatal checkup, often what I find is that those who've had a very strict and rigorous plan end up disappointed. Because invariably, like you say, it hasn't always gone exactly according to plan. And that can then make them suffer feelings of guilt or failure or anger or resentment or disappointment. And actually, that's not productive in your your onward journey with a new baby.
0: I imagine, though, as much as any firm plan, such as I will have a water birth, um, aren't necessarily productive. But I imagine that there are some things within that that you you would say are good to be on top of
1: absolutely so my my top tips really are to think about who would you want to be there Um, How might you like to deliver? So having an idea of I I would quite like to have a water birth is fine, but also to have some realistic expectations around that and understand that your plans may need to be a little bit malleable, uh, given the time and, and circumstances of your delivery. You need to also think about your previous deliveries. And how they've gone. You know, if you've had three cesarean sections, then a water birth now might not be such a great idea. Um, And also to take the advice of the obstetrician or the midwife or your GP and then use that to formulate your plan or ideas of what you might like to happen. I think... The key things are to remember that delivery is unpredictable. Things can change in an instant. We may use scanning and all those sorts of things, but really we don't know what's going to happen until it actually happens. Um, Try to be open-minded as well about how you can manage that expectation. And I think the other thing is whoever's going to be there at your delivery, try and allow them to be an advocate for you as well.
0: Which I guess means that you have to communicate to them what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. Absolutely. So, of course, you've prepared yourself mentally. You've prepared your birthing partner for what it is that you want. What about the physical preparations for going to hospital? When should you be ready for
1: that, like, you know, the bag? So, I mean, I think it it largely depends on how the pregnancy's gone and your GPs and midwives will guide you with all of that um, because it can be very unpredictable. But generally speaking, I would say probably from about 36 weeks onwards to have a packed bag in the corner ready to go. Most deliveries happen after this time. um, Much less of those occur before this time. So as a broad piece of advice, then I think about 36 weeks onwards. Sneha,
0: thanks for your time today. You're welcome. That was Dr. Sneha Widwani. She's a GP and mum of two girls. And for more of Sneha's advice about women's health, just search for Sneha, that's S-N-E-H-A, on our website. That's kindling.com.au.
1: You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from